This episode of the Hell Yes Life podcast is sponsored by Hell Yes Life Adventures. Hell Yes Lifers, I wanted to let you know about one of my biggest Hell Yeses of the year. This October, in collaboration with Chase Beringer of the Bucket List Lifestyle, I am hosting a six-night, seven-day Hell Yes Life adventure retreat for entrepreneurs in Tulum, Mexico. The trip will include visits to Mayan temples, snorkeling with sea turtles, yoga and meditation, transformative personal and professional development work, and the opportunity to connect with other amazing, world-changing, hell yes entrepreneurs while staying in a luxurious beachside villa. There are a limited number of slots available and it's being offered at an incredibly reasonable price. So if you're interested in learning more, please visit hellyeslife.com forward slash retreat. That's hellyeslife.com forward slash retreat. Okay, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Hell Yes Life podcast, where you'll hear inspiring stories and life lessons from amazing Hell Yes entrepreneurs who are running their for-purpose businesses and living their Hell Yes lives. I'm your host, Norman Bell. Hell Yes Lifers, welcome to another episode of the Hell Yes Life podcast. I am your host, Norman Bell, and I'm excited today because my guest is Andrea Waltz. Andrea is the co-founder of Courage Crafters Incorporated and the co-author of the best-selling book, Go for No, Yes is the Destination, No is How You Get There. Through speaking and an online training and coaching course, Andrea teaches people in virtually every business and industry how to think and feel differently about failure, rejection, and the word no. This is going to be very useful information, Helios Lifers. Today, Go For No has become a well-known methodology in the world of selling. The book has reached number one on or it reached number one on Amazon's selling list in 2010 and has remained in the top 50 of, of sales books for the last 10 years. Andrea is also the co-author of the book, The Million Dollar Book Formula, How to Write a Short Book That Will Sell Forever. And we'll be talking a bit about the benefits of writing a short book later in the interview. Andrea, welcome to the Hell Yes Life podcast. Thank you so much, Norman. I'm so glad to be here with you. Yes, thanks for joining me. And I should note, I met Andrea last year, I think it was last June, at the uh, World Domination Summit in Portland. We were just sitting next to each other watching the main stage talks, and we had a nice chat. She actually gave me a copy of the Million Dollar Book Formula, and um, you know, I've, I've been back in touch, and I'm really excited to have you, have you on. Um, so, Andrea, I always uh, will get into everything that we just, uh, you know, touched on there, but I always like to start off by asking my guests, uh, what is your hell yes? What's the thing that really lights you up and makes you come alive? So my hell yes is all about asking, and it's all about teaching people to ask. Um, and I'm just such a fan of of the topic that I get to teach on, and it was a topic that I needed so desperately in my life when I was 
like early college age, I remember stumbling onto a book called The Aladdin Factor by Jack Canfield. And that mm. book is all about asking. It's, it, in fact, I think it, it's basically like the subtitles, like how to get everything in life you want. And I thought, wow, that, I want to know how, how do I get everything in life I want? And fundamentally, the answer was you need to ask. ask. And the book's all about asking and who to ask and what to do if they say no and all of that. And then here I am. Um, all these years later, teaching people to ask, to be willing to face a no. So that is my hell yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you actually answered my follow-up question as well, which was, you know, when did you first realize what was your hell yes? But let me ask it anyway, just in case there's a different answer. Um, is that when you realized it, when you read The Aladdin Factor by Jack Canfield? Or was there another time earlier in your life where you this, this um, kind of came up for you? Yeah, you know, no, not like that was a pivotal moment, but it was later when I met my husband and business partner, Richard Fenton, who were co-authors on, on all of our books. And he kind of told me about the go for no philosophy and brought that asking kind of back into my consciousness. So it was one of those things where like so many times I think we read a book and we go like, yes, this is brilliant. I love this. And then you kind of let it drift and you forget. And then I was reminded about it a few years later and then again, was like, yes, I love this message. I want, I want to live it and I want to teach it. Yeah. Yeah. So your hell yes is no, you know, or it's around <laughs> this topic of, of facing the no. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, and maybe, maybe even a hell no, like you might ever even get a hell no sometimes, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. You have to be okay with that. Yes. 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 Okay. So let's, let's just dive into it. Why don't we take us from the 30,000 foot level? Um, what is go for now? Tell us the, the concept of the book and, and the methodology and so forth. Right, right. So um, the concept of go for no is actually about intentionally increasing your failure rate. And that Ooh. sounds like a really bad strategy to most people. <laughs> but um, it is about intentionally going out and hearing no more often in order to hear more yeses. So most people, you know, we've all been taught and trained to um, to go for yes. And we certainly, that's why the subtitle of our book is so important. Um, the subtitle of Go For No is, yes is the destination, no is how you get there. So mm -hmm. it's all about not avoiding failure, not avoiding rejection, to go out and seek those opportunities um, so that the yeses are out there. And like the perfect example is, I, I always think whenever I'm on a podcast, I think, you know, podcasters get rejected all the time. Like they're going out after guests. They ask somebody if they want to be on, on the show. The person says no. Um, maybe they're trying to get a, really, a guest with a big name. Well, if you don't ask that person to be on the show, they're never going to, probably not going to call you out of the blue, right? So, Absolutely. but you have an opportunity to get them on the show. You have an opportunity to get yes. And it's the same thing in every business and every, every industry. Entrepreneurs of all shapes and sizes have to go out and ask they have to risk hearing that no in order to get more yeses. That's what go for no means. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I've heard this phrase um, <clears throat> that maybe you would be familiar with as, as well. It's like, uh, yes, lives in the land of no. Um, uh, uh, you know, just yeah. that it's not like it's over here separate from no. It's it's in the midst of the no's that you're going to find your yeses. I um, love that. And I've, I've 
heard that and I don't even know who to attribute it to, but I'm going to write it down and steal it. So thank you, Norman. <laughs> yeah, it was some sort of a, it was one of those coaching, I, I'll, I'll, if I can think yeah. of it, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, okay, so let's let's dive in a little bit more. So that that sounds great. So I can imagine our listeners are like, okay, great. So I'm going to reorient towards, and I've heard of this, uh, I'm thinking of people that are, there's a, a guy that does this like 100 days of rejection, you know, just like basically yes. trying to um, you know, steal yourself to rejection and that, you know, that this is the way forward. I'm, I'm totally on board with this idea. Um, but let's just, you know, play devil's advocate that there's somebody listening to this that's like, okay, that's great. But w what now? What, how do I, what do I do differently than I've been doing before? Right, right. Well, there's, there's a couple things that are going on with this whole process, because obviously, from a psychology standpoint, people don't, we've all, we are all biologically wired not to take, not to get no, right? We, we don't want to be thrown out of the tribe. We don't want to be rejected. That's our biology yeah. um, after thousands of years. And so we are having to fight that. And there is a lot of resistance, I think. So um, what I find is that um, people who first hear the concept oftentimes are, are maybe a little apprehensive. They're sometimes willing to try it. And in the book, we have something we call the five failure models. So we actually kind of take people through a process. And the, the first level is the ability to fail. That's where we all start. The second level is the willingness to fail. So people have to be willing to hear no, they have to be willing to get rejected in order to be more successful. And oftentimes that requires to your point of, well, what do I do is start like looking, look at your life, look at your business and start analyzing, um, start asking like, what is my no awareness? Am I hearing no? Do I like to hear no? Do I hate to hear no? Do I protect myself at all costs from failing and hearing no? And then the level three is the wantingness to fail. It's really where you kind of tie everything together and you say, in order to get the kind of results I want, I've got to want to go out and hear more no's in my business and my life. I've got to start getting rejected more. And like that guy's experiment where he got, he did all these crazy things for a hundred days. His name's Zha Zhang. I know exactly who you're talking about. He yeah. did a TED talk, TED talk, which was wonderful. Yeah. Um, wrote a book called Rejection Proof. And he, you know, he asked all of these people just on these kind of man on the street experiments. Um, I remember he asked me um, on Twitter, this was years ago, he, when he was right in the middle of it, he's like, what, what things should I do? And I was like, ask a cop if you could sit in their car, you know, <laughs> like, ask a cop, if, you know, and because yeah. that would be like an interesting one, right, to see if the cop would say yes or no. And his experiment really was, not to get a hundred yeses or not to get necessarily a hundred no's. It was just to kind of test himself constantly. And so I think for listeners, it's like, if you want to have a hell yes life, you've got to be willing to fail. You've got to put yourself out there. And so those type of rejection experiments can be really powerful, especially when you don't have a lot on the line. Like, what do you have to lose? Um, for doing some things like asking for the better table in a restaurant or asking <laughs> if the hotel will put you in the honeymoon suite, you know, can I get an upgrade? And if they say no, then you, so what? Nothing's changed. Right. But if they say yes, you've got, you've gained something and you've also kind of strengthened that asking muscle. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really about, it's all, it, it's like strengthening strengthening a muscle, right? Like it's uh, yeah. uh, just, uh, you know, kind of working that. So, okay. I think you said five failure models. You said ability, oh, yeah. willingness, wantingness. wantingness. Is there two okay, beyond yes. that? Yes. 
Yes, there's two more in the in the five fair level. So um, level four is what we call failing um, bigger and faster. Ooh. So failing bigger and faster is um, it's really kind of that next level where you're going for big no's. And one of our little sayings is easy yeses produce little successes. So if uh -huh. it's 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 kind of like getting those easy yeses is one thing, but if you're going after the big no's, you have a big opportunity to get a big yes and. My example for that is um, when we first launched our company 20 years ago now, um, we went after big, our business was retail training. So we were going after big fortune 500 retailers and we ended up working with a couple, couple of really big ones. We got hired by JCPenney as an example. And, um, you know, these are huge retailers that usually work with big training companies. Here we were, my husband and I, this you know, with this tiny little company, no staff, no nothing, right? And we beat out some competitors and with like actual offices and legit companies. But that was, you know, we risked getting a big no to get that big yes. And we all have those big yeses that are out there. So that's level four is, is failing bigger and faster. And then level five is failing exponentially. And that really is more of a leadership um, type thing where it's getting the team to fail. So uh, sometimes, um, in fact, there was a gentleman who called me a couple weeks ago and said that he, he did this fundraising campaign at a private college where all of the people came in and they volunteered their time and they were calling all the parents to get donations for the school. And so that's failing exponentially. It's like failing as a team. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, right. So taking it to that next level. So yeah. let me think about, let me, uh, let's see, let, again, devil's advocate a little yeah. bit here, because a lot of people will say, okay, when we're, we're going after our big vision, our big goals, we want to think positively, we want to be high vibe, you know, like, uh, you know, eliminate negative thinking. But no, I, again, I'm totally on the same page with you here. But, um, but so how, how do we, how does that square with um, going after rejection so let's say let's say we're at level four fail bigger faster right and we're we're going after that that uh you know an account with a big company or something like that are we going in going i'm going i'm going for the no uh what does that look like versus like i'm going for the yes yes okay this is a brilliant question i love that you brought this up because it's so important because yeah there's a tendency for a lot of people, um, and this has been literally a marketing challenge for us over the years, <laughs> no joke, where people go, go for it. I don't want no. What are these people talking about? They're insane, right? Yeah. I want yes. I want to go for yes. Um, so, and especially also in the era of law, the law of attraction, when the secret mm. was huge, I think we had, we had pushed back like, um, you know, I want to program my mind that, that everyone will say yes. And so I think that what we're trying to do is take a negative reality, which is that rejection is out there, the no's are out there and make it positive. And so you're right though, when you go into a meeting, like if you're gonna walk into a meeting with someone or sit down with somebody, you're not mentally hoping, wishing, praying, projecting, like I'm gonna mess this thing up and hope that this person, <laughs> <laughs> right, throws me out of their office or right. or that I, that I fail. But it's that, it's that, really trying to get people into action almost towards the beginning of the process where so much of so, so many people um, myself included 
find ourselves saying, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to ask for that. They're just going to say no. So I'm going to save myself the time. Right. If you're going to go for no mindset, right? You say, well, they might say no. So I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for yeah. no and have them at least, I'll have them say no rather than me say no to myself. Right. But you, you do, so, but you do bring up a really important point that you want to, you want to stay positive. You want to think, you want to think that, Hey, I'm going to do everything with my power to have this person say yes, but a no is perfectly acceptable and I'm not going to give up before I hear yes or no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm um, imagining a way to kind of square those two mindsets and it's sort of like, you know, Hey, I'm envisioning the, you know, connecting with the perfect customer or client. Um, and if this person isn't that person or this company isn't the, isn't the right company, then give me that no so I can move on and, and connect to the right, you know, I don't know. So does that exactly? Does that no, no, exactly. That's exactly kind of the, the mindset, the programming that you want to have. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to, um, you know, this is helpful for me as well. So like just to, to give you a couple of, of uh, real world things that, that I'm sort of working on um, and, and other people out there may be working on. I imagine there's a lot of, I'm, one of my services is coaching. And I also have like a, a live event that I'm planning for later this year. And, and that's actually come up for me about this kind of fail bigger faster is like, you know, what's a, oh, like who would be a real hell yes uh, to, to have at this live event? And so I'm starting to think at that level. Um, and, uh, and exactly what you were saying, just sort of like, well, I, what's the worst that could happen if I ask these, these people that seem kind of out of reach? Uh, well, I'll get the no and th there you go. But if I don't ask them, then they're certainly not going to come to me, right? Um, but let's maybe at this level of, let's just say on the, on the ground of, I need more coaching clients or I need more clients in my business. Um, what does this, what does it look like to apply this method uh, to, let's say, you know, somebody's like, I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're cold calling. Maybe they're uh, doing their whole building their platform thing like I'm doing. Like how, do, how, how does it work once we incorporate this? this right, right, right. So another great question. Um, Obviously, yeah, you want to get into implementation. So really, it's like, how do you apply go for no to your standard process? And what it comes down to is, and a friend of mine named Mark, we were at his event over the, over the weekend, and he, he said this, um, has this brilliant line, he calls it collecting decisions, which is uh, pretty much what GoForNo is all about. It's, it's, so if your process is sending out cold emails or maybe your process is connecting with people on LinkedIn and asking them if they want to maybe set up a time to meet with you, those are all GoForNo moments. Okay. And th those are really the times where you say, I'm going to try to create 10 GoForNo moments today. We also have a fun, kind of a fun thing that we talk about in the book, which is to set no goals which is kind of crazy. We teach people to set a goal for the number of no's they're actually going to hear. Mm -hmm. So if you are, you know, going along in your business and, and all week long, not one person said no to you for an offer for coaching, then, then you need to be having more of those go for no moments and those more conversations, whether it's calling, emailing, LinkedIn, however you're doing it, right? Whatever your process is, creating more of those moments so you get those no's. So you could set a weekly no goal of say, three no's, five no's, 10 no's, right? And have those yeses come in. Don't worry about the yeses as much, but set a no goal. And, that, and so that no is really yeah. probably the main way that we teach people to implement. 
Yeah. I remember the rejection therapy guy. He, he basically was like, if he got a yes, then he had quote unquote kind of failed. He, he needed to keep going that day until he got a no. Um, so I, exactly. I, I, that's kind of in line with this. Okay. So, so for our listeners out there, just as a, as a starting point, let's say that there's people that are kind of warming up to this idea of like, Hey, I want to go for no this coming week even. Um, what would be a good place to start? Yeah, basic so, go for no goal. Yeah. Um, well, it kind of it depends on everybody's level of comfort and, and business and industry. You know, sometimes I've had people say like, I'm going to do a hundred <laughs> and I'm always trying to caution people like, don't, okay, that's too much. Probably don't make yourself insane. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you're working on your business 12 hours a day, seven days a week, start with, I like starting with, first of all, just kind of look at create a baseline and look at and, and get honest with how many knows you're really hearing. You know, sometimes it's so low that you say, well, gosh, if I could get one or two this week, that would be such a huge improvement. And then I'll build upon that slowly. So, you know, starting with two or three is, is for a week, I think is good for most independent business owners, because if you're, unless you're just having so many conversations where the person is in a position to tell you yes and no, then it might be higher. But I say, start, start easy. Then you can start getting aggressive later. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do a little real world from, from my business and some of the things I struggle with around this. And um, so for, for one thing, I, um, I, you know, as far as the podcast goes, I, I, I have to say, you're, you're right. Well, you, you get rejection sometimes, or you get a lot of yeses because it's, you know, it's, it's beneficial to, to, for people to be on a podcast, right? So, sure. so you get a lot of yeses. I'm not as afraid in this position, but it's that kind of like, I, I get really dis, uh, uncomfortable sending out a message on LinkedIn or Facebook or God forbid a cold call or something. Um, and so do you, do you actually recommend doing any particular approach for sales? Uh, something that gets kind of to the point quicker. I sometimes wonder if I'm building more kind of, uh, levels of, of activity to sort of, uh, buffer, you know, keep me away from having to actually ask for, you know, get that direct no. Right. Well, sense? you're not, you're certainly not alone in that process. Cause I think it's easy to, especially in our age of content marketing, where we are throwing in and we want to create value for people. So sometimes it can feel like we have to create so much value and so many obstacles before we just simply have a conversation where you say, so here's my coaching program. Would you like it? Yes or no. Um, Which is really where you get down into that asking. Um, And as not as, because I am not a coach, I know there's some coaches out there who have, who have processes and practices, but I think most people um, probably could shorten that, um, you know, that communication where, they're trying to kind of qualify people um, a little bit faster in terms of uh, whether they are a good client or not. And I'll give you an example from my business, basically, um, because I'm like you, an independent business owner who wants to share a message. We just happen to do it speaking. So when I contact somebody who may be having an event, I find out for the first thing I want to know is, hey, are you bringing in professional speakers for your event? And if they say no, then I have two choices. One, I could say, okay, thank you very much. Or two, I could then 
kind of try to convince them <laughs> that they should reconsider that position of having speakers and that not only should they re reconsider, but they should also now consider me. Um, and so that, that qualification process, that early disqualification process, I think can be really helpful sometimes, which is, um, hey, I coach people on how to blank and blank. Um, is this something you'd be interested in? And having that person say no, yeah. now you're free to move on to the next person. Or they might say, well, I'm not sure. Tell me more about what you do. And now you are going down the line. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like cutting to the chase a little bit more. Exactly. Uh, I, I think it sounds, sounds like there's a balance I hear out there, you know, oh, you know, people buy from the, you know, the, the no like and trust factor. I think that that sounds true. Like, uh, uh, versus like, hi, I'm Norman. Do you want to buy my coaching program? Oh, Polly's not going to do it. But then maybe Absolutely. on the other end of the scale, you know, waiting, a, you know, three years and I, hey, I've delivered all this free content to you. Um, do you think maybe you might want to spend $5 on my, you know, whatever. Right, name. right. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it totally depends. And it's kind of one of these things where, um, especially you're right, if the person has no idea who you are, then that's just spamming selling. And it's, it is a way to get an answer. It is, I mean, You'll get right? that note. Yeah. you get the no, people are doing that all, all over the place. Um, so not necessarily effective. And I think especially for coaching, because you are trying to build a relationship for sure. Yeah. But just as an example of from one end of the spectrum, and then the other end being never asking, right. never presenting an offer whatsoever. Right. And so, right, you, you have to kind of get in that middle ground. Yeah, yeah. So Helios Lifers out there, think about this and how this applies to your business. If you're like me, or if you're like Andrea, maybe you're a speaker, um, a, aspiring author, if not already an author, um, a coach, like how can, how can you, well, one thing I, I think, you know, we should all buy Andrea's book um, and, and we'll get into this. It's actually a short book, so it'll be an easy read. And I, I think there's a lot, a uh, lot to gain from this, right? So I wanted to shift a little bit to talk about, um, you know, you are kind of living this hell yes life that a lot of us um, I think desire that, uh, that uh, listeners to this podcast, you know, speaking, um, you know, sort of being an authority in your, uh, your, your field and, um, and, and so on. And you've had a lot of success. So maybe could you talk to a little bit about this? You know, you wrote this book and I think I read in the million dollar uh, book formula that you, you had written other books like this or you and, and, and Richard had maybe written some other books and they hadn't hit like this one. And then this one did. Um, so just maybe a little bit about your, your experience, um, you know, with this book and how this has really changed your, changed your life. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been a, uh, 22 year journey. <laughs> we wrote Go For Noah a long time ago. We actually wrote it in 1999, published it in 2000. It didn't hit the number one Amazon list number one on, in the sales category until 2010, um, in part because most of those years, Amazon wasn't even in existence yet, right? Um, but the journey really was we quit our corporate jobs. We decided that we wanted to be speakers, trainers, um, and 
outside kind of experts for the retail industry. So that's who we went out to serve. And um, we were very, so this is a very niche category. And I would tell, I, I would advise anyone who is kind of going out on their own that, um, and this is a line that Seth Godin says oftentimes is, you know, focus on your smallest viable audience. It was very helpful to us that we were specialists in a very niched market. So we weren't everything to everybody. We didn't go out with, we can help anyone with anything. What happened was in the process of training retail organizations on sales and customer service and things like that nature, GoForNo was one of the things that we taught and that kind of took off and our clients really said, we love GoForNo and so we created the GoForNo retailer and then we had written the book GoForNo, um, but it hadn't really done well and it took us a long time. Um, and as you said, Norman, there's so much backstory to the book. We had a horrible cover that we needed to change and we learned so many painful lessons. We had so many failures with this book um, to try to, to get it to where it is today. I mean, we were a 10 year overnight success um, and have since written, you know, we've written other fables and other things that have done okay. But uh, I think we kind of stumbled, stumbled on a little bit of the X factor, which is why um, we go for no was such a, our clients were telling us it was a powerful message. So we decided, you know what, we're just going to focus, go for no is the golden goose. Um, and we're just going to focus on this message. And so we kind of broadened out from the type of clients that we were serving, which was retailers, and then focusing on a niche message. So from us, so again, niching down and not saying, well, go for knows a sales philosophy. So we'll also do opening the sale and we'll do objections and we'll do closing the sale. No, let's just focus on helping people overcome fear of failure and rejection. And so as tightly focused as we could, I think that's been one of the little secrets that that has, that has helped us. Uh -huh. Just uh, like you guys are the go for no folks or, you know, the, 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 uh, the go-to go for no uh, people, right? Exactly. Uh, like we know, we know what your, what, you, you know, your expertise is. <clears throat> yeah. Right, right. And, and I, you know, I, I, everybody has to kind of find their own path. I know for us, the irony, and this is probably, I have said many times, probably not a smart decision, but we are known as the go for no people. And a lot of people don't even know our names. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> So, you, right, we're so well-branded, um, but they have no idea who we are. And that's fine, you know, but it, it's, a, it's always a challenge. You have to sometimes make those hard decisions of, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be known for my message, or I want to be out there for, with my name, or I want to be out there with the fact that I help real estate agents who work on the coast total niche market, right? And so if you saw that somebody was a coach to real estate agents who worked on the West Coast, you'd say, I, this is my person, right? I mean, that's who you were. So I, sometimes I think that we go too broad with who, we, yeah. who we're trying to serve. Okay. So let's see, I, a couple of things I want to, I, I want to touch a little bit on that niche thing. And then um, I want to hear maybe a little bit about the benefits for anybody out there. Cause I've, I, I'm, you know, kind of in fits, as I was saying before we started, you know, I'm kind of in fits and starts working on a book, um, you know, somewhat based on the podcast. Uh, and, uh, but, and I really liked reading uh, a, 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 the million dollar book formula because it kind of broke through this idea that a book needs to be 300 plus pages. It, you know, it needs to be this kind of epic thing. Uh, and you could write a short book. Like how long, actually, how long is go for no? Yeah. So go for no is 80 pages, 80 pages, and yeah. 80 pages. And you absolutely could write a short and we define short as around a hundred 
up to say 140 pages. Right. So for us, that that's short. And yeah. these days, um, it's so beneficial because if you are kind of focusing on one specific message that you want to, you know, blow up, um, then you don't have to have a big book. Like if you wanted to write a, write a hell yes life or how to have a hell yes life or living a hell yes life, it doesn't have to be 300 pages. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and actually I was reading in your, the million dollar book formula that people were thanking you for writing it. Uh, it it's like, hey, thank you for keeping it short. You know, like, uh, <laughs> like you, know, I, you know, I'm, I'm that way. I'll, I'll buy a book, I'll maybe read 30, 50 pages of it or something. And then I, you know, I get distracted and move on to the next thing. Um, so if a book is actually 80 pages, Hey, I can finish it and say, Hey, I read a, I read a book this week. Um, and, and really, you know, we probably have the, uh, the message, uh, you know, it, within that 80 pages that, you know, you, you could have taken 300 pages to write, but yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, and most books repeat themselves. That yeah. that's and 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 oftentimes, especially in the world of sales, kind of where I reside, is people will write a book and they'll do case study after case study after case study to make yeah. their point. And it's like, no, just do one case study. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's move on. <laughs> So if there's somebody out there listening that's now, you know, maybe considering, maybe they hadn't thought about writing a short book before, what would be some things you, you would recommend they consider? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, um, consider, the, consider the purpose and the why behind, you know, what you were hoping to achieve to write the book. And I think for most people these days, it is, um, and for us, it's two things. One, it's to put yourself in the expert category um, so that, I mean, you, it gets you onto shows like Norman's, it gets you onto, um, stages oftentimes. I mean, it is the, it is the, the calling card for expertise. I mean, that is the main purpose for many people. And, um, the kind of nice to have is that it is a, a secondary income stream. But even if you broke even on your book, even if you self-published it and, and you, you know, you paid what it cost to, to do a book these days, um, it would probably be worth it in the, in the long run because when you hand someone a book, especially a short one, your whole goal is for them to consume it. That, yeah. that is, you want people to read your book. It does them no good um, for you to hand them your 300 page book and have them go like, wow, this is impressive. And then put it on their bookshelf with all the other 300 page books they have that they haven't read um, that probably have names more well-known than you. And they're not gonna, so they're not gonna choose your book. If it's short and if it's got a really catchy, punchy title that solves a problem that's, um, that is important to this person or that it is an obvious problem, uh, they're gonna pick up that book and say, I'm gonna read this. And if you can get your book consumed and they can get to the end and say, who is this person? I wanna know more about them. I wanna subscribe to their newsletter list and I wanna find out more about what they do. That's, that is, kind of the, the essence of the formula. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard from someone else, I, someone I knew had, went to a book coach and the book coach basically said, you know, that they were a speaker as well. And that when they would go around um, applying for speaking gigs uh, and get chosen, you know, that the, per the, the person that chose them would say, um, you know, we love that you had a book. We, we didn't read the book, but we just love that you had one. Uh, mm -hmm. do, you, do you find that? I mean, it sounds like the goal is to get them to read the book. And I've, obviously, if it's short, um, there's more of a likelihood of that. But I've, I've heard of this idea as 
for, uh, for speaking that the, a book is kind of like a, a, a business card on steroids. Uh, do you find that to be the case as far as your speaking career is? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as speaking, because a book shows that you've, you understand a topic enough to put pen to paper and, and it establishes your expertise on that subject. That is fundamentally what it is. It's all about having credibility. So I am not a big fan of, you know, I'm not a big fan of these kind of fly by night things, you know, write a book in a day and all of that. I think you should really take time with your book and, and there are a tremendous amount of mistakes that, are worth taking the time to avoid so that you can write the right book. That's really what this comes down to is mm. having, having any book is not necessarily helpful. So write the right book that will do for you what you want it to do, get your message out, help the people that you want to help. And it becomes a win-win. Okay. And so one of the great things about having a podcast is I get to talk to experts like you and get like maybe some direct feedback. I'm not asking for a full coaching session here, but just <laughs> maybe just to get, um, you know, in my specific case, I have the Hell Yes Life podcast. I mean, that's pretty broad. Although I started to think about it, like it's almost like a psychographic, like actually not everybody wants to live a Hell Yes Life. A lot of people are perfectly happy living pretty, pretty so-so lives. So, so that could be a, um, a, a niche, but uh, yeah. let, let's just say that's pretty broad. And um, in, in the book I've been looking at, you know, it's, it's based on um, interviews that I've had with people on a variety of different topics. Would you recommend that I get, you know, kind of get more specific and, and hone in on, I don't know, like, let's say life purpose, productivity, um, you know, uh, visions, da, 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 you know, like uh, choosing one of these. And then, like you said, I, I don't know that I would go like visions for people in the retail market, but like uh, any, any thoughts about that? Yes, yes. Um, so, and it, this is coming from somebody who has put together a lot of books. So I know this is easier than said than done when I say this, but Norman, you probably have many books, right? You, you could do um, Living the Hell Yes Life, and it could be strictly a book with all of the interviews and the, and the um, 24 best kept secrets from my three years as a podcaster or something, you know, like just all, all of the interviews. Yeah. So that's kind of one kind of broad book. But the other book I would say is figure out your, um, what your most passionate message is, what your m deepest specialty, most favorite thing to kind of when you are working with a client zone in on and take that little topic and blow it up and write a hundred page book just on that. So it probably would be productivity. And it doesn't necessarily have to be for a particular industry, um, but it certainly could be something um, uh, something branded to you. Not saying it's hell yes productivity, but it's kind of like, what could you do that is a, a little bit niche down? So, so somebody goes like, I get it. I get what this guy does. And I want to learn about this particular topic. Okay. And I'm going to just want one follow-up question. So, well, the thing that really lights me up is watching other people light up. So I, I you know, it's, there's this uh, Howard Thurman quote, bear with me here. Um, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and go do yes. it because what the world needs is people who come alive. So that this is really about helping people. I have it written down here. I was like, oh, my mission is to help people come alive. Right. So that's pretty broad though. Um, like, is there, but can we, could we talk about that? Could that be a niche of sorts, like the spark or the, the, 
you know, the, the moment of, I, I don't even know how to say it exactly, but right for you the know, retail industry. No, I don't know. <laughs> for the retail industry. <laughs> yeah. Um, the answer is yes. And it does require more, it requires a lot more brainstorming and a lot more really forcing yourself to, to get really specific and start asking what does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah. And, and now I'm not saying that you can't, right? You could write you. It's not that you can't have a general book. It's not one that would necessarily go, you know, completely gangbusters on Amazon because there are many books on, there's many books on happiness and there's many books on self-confidence and self-esteem, right? You, you name yeah. it. We've written a book on fear that, that, was a really interesting book, but it, it didn't really, it was called The Fear Factory. And, the, mm. and it was a really interesting fable. It's just that it didn't really necessarily speak to the problem of what people yeah. had, right? Uh -huh. So uh -huh. all, all, I would say the biggest thing is really, is really coming up with a title and even a subtitle and then a focus that really helps people see what they're going to learn what problem right. in their life will get solved. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's not easy, but I will tell you this, you know, your story and the concepts that you want to get across, even if they are on the broader side, if you're handing that book to someone at the Rotary club or, or a potential client, you know, it's still a value. And I would still say, keep it short and mm -hmm. it's still going to open doors for you. That's what yeah. books do is they open doors. I wonder, and, and then, uh, you know, maybe we could kind of start to wind down, but I, I um, in kind of in um, uh, connection with the go for no theme, one thing I find that's coming up all the time is perfectionism. And especially with something like a book, it's sort of like, you know, I, I feel like I, I want to write my first crappy book just so I can get that out of the way. And then I'll probably go on to write better books or something. But just to, uh, I, maybe that's not, I, I don't know if that, that's kind of like a go for no or like, uh, uh, just wanting to get out of this mentality of like, oh, this is good. This is going to be my masterpiece bestseller or something. Uh, yes. Get it yes. done. Yes. You know? Do it. Yes. I totally agree. In fact, Go For No is our third book. Our oh, first yeah. book, yeah. Our first book was a book for retailers because that mm -hmm. was their industry that we were in. We called it Unlocking the Secrets of Retail Magic. Mm -hmm. Then we wrote a second book for that industry, just sold just to that industry, a little book on selling. And then go for those our third. So I think sometimes, yeah, don't do, do learn the process because the yeah. process is kind of, you know, sometimes people find it painful or time consuming. And, and so you get that process out of the way and go like, okay, huh, did that. Now yeah. I'm going to really get to focus on, yes. on my masterpiece. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I think there's something that's, I think it's connected to what you're talking about, which is that I've, I've found that's come up for me is the first time, like the first time you do something like when I was putting this podcast together, I was like a deer in headlights through the whole thing. I was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. But now if you ask me to start a second podcast, oh yeah, sure. No problem. Um, right. But so it's like, just break it. And it's like the first no too. It's just like, oh, I'm going to get that. No. Oh, now I can take some little no's. Yeah. Give me a, give me a hundred notes. I'll take that. Um, well, Andrea, as we start to wind down, I, um, I haven't been asking everybody this lately, but, but, uh, one, one question I have is, um, what's, what's your, uh, cringe worthy vision. And what I mean by that is a vision that's so big, it makes you cringe to think about, uh, sharing it with others. Now you seem pretty established in what you're doing, but I, I wonder if you have, uh, any big visions going forward in 2020 or beyond. I do have a cringeworthy vision. Yes. <laughs> so the, it's, 
So the vision is Richard and I, we really want to help people kind of do what we've done with the, with the book and their business. And so um, we're calling it Find Your Golden Goose. Oh, we'd, nice. love, we'd, love to, we'd love to create a hundred of those. So when I cringe, I'm always like, oh my God, how do we create a hundred people with short books that have a business around them and, and can go out into the world? Um, and so it's, I, some people might think like a hundred, that's not a lot, but I mean, we want a hundred like go for no level successes. So that's my cringe worthy. Oh, I love it. I love it. And is that something that you guys are actively working on? Or, um, you know, if, if people wanted to, you know, potentially be one of your golden geese, <laughs> one of our golden geese. Exactly. Yes, we are. We're putting that together this year. It started with million dollar book formula of just getting that out kind of to your point of let's just get out our knowledge about a book. And we got that out. And so now it's kind of like, okay, let's how does this, how, how does the book as the centerpiece kind of influence the entire business and strategy and all of that going forward for yeah. people? Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Andrea, um, you know, just kind of winding down. Thanks so much for, for taking the time. Is there, uh, for, for people that want to learn more or get in touch with you, um, what, uh, what would be the best place for them to find you? Yeah, gofornode.com. Go, it's, oh, and then and I'm on Twitter go for no and Facebook go for no so if you type <laughs> in go for no you will find me <laughs> that's great they're gonna go from hell yes life to uh go for no yeah yes go. and you to live a hell yes life you go for no it's, go a, for it's no. a perfect combo <laughs> absolutely absolutely um and of course we'll have links in the show notes as well um well Andrea I always like to wrap things up by saying hell yes on the count of three with my guests are you uh ready and willing to do that I am. Yes. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Hell, Hell yeah. yes. <laughs> All right. Andrea, thanks so much for joining me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Hell Yes Life podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite RSS feed. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review. And if you want to stay connected, visit hellyeslife.com and sign up for the e-newsletter and private Facebook group. Again, I'm Norman Bell. Thanks for joining me. Now let's get out there and live a hell yes life.